You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back into the Lions 24-7 podcast as we work our way closer to Penn State's 2022 season kickoff. Thursday night at Purdue, a lot of coverage coming your way at lions247.com this week. Hopefully you followed along on Monday coming out of James Franklin's press conference. We had a podcast up on Monday. We had a bunch of stories up about competition and battles being determined. And additionally, we're on the practice field Monday evening. So if you missed any of that, go to lions247.com and check it out. As promised, today's episode is going to center on the Purdue Boilermakers, the week one foe for these Nittany Lions. And to get a long uh, and detailed perspective on this opponent, we turn to Mike Carmen, who's covered uh, Purdue for some time with the Lafayette Journal and Courier out there. Local beat guy. Uh, that's the best guy to tap into for a situation like this. We were able to get him for a while, a few days back. So stick around, listen to it, learn a little bit more about the Purdue Boilermakers. Let's learn a lot more about this Boilermakers football team by speaking with Purdue beat reporter Mike Carmen, who was kind enough to join us here. It's a busy time covering your own team. So coming on our podcast and talking about the, the, the group he's covering is very much appreciated. Um, part of the USA uh, Today Network with the Journal and Courier. Uh, and, and Mike, first things first, obviously you and I, we both want to see what this team looks like when the lights come on. But I'm always curious to hear what are the vibes around preseason practice, the way a team is coming together, the way things are kind of evolving coming out of preseason? What do you think about the Boilermakers that maybe is a little different than you thought about them entering August? Well, um, from that standpoint, uh, there's there's been really no surprises. Um, you know, the vibe has been the same in the offseason where they, they feel like they have the pieces in place when you factor in the schedule, you factor in some other things to to have a special season. Uh, now, there's a lot of things that go into that. Number one, staying healthy, and they have suffered a couple of injuries uh, that will probably be significant as the season goes on because it eats into their depth a little bit at a, at a couple positions. But, you know, they, they feel optimistic what they can do this year. Uh, obviously, the, the opener against Penn State, is not a make-or-break situation for Purdue, but you, you win it, you have a chance to have a special season. If you lose it, you can still have a good season. But, you know, they have a lot of experience back on the defensive side. They have a six-year quarterback, and I know on the surface it sounds like he's got a ton of experience, and he does have a lot of experience, but it, it's not like he's played every snap for the last five years either. Um he, and he was not even the opening day starter last year, it, but he had a he had a great season. I think a lot of that momentum is carrying over for them. But they, you know, they have they have some question marks that need to get answered, and uh, some of those will get answered in that opener. But it's a good vibe around Purdue. Um, as always, they have a small margin for error 
just because they don't have the depth other teams have if they lose some frontline guys. Uh, but, you know, I, I think they're in a good position right now, and let's, we'll see how this thing plays out. We've heard from Penn State coaches and players in recent months and weeks about the fact that they are opening in the Big Ten Conference and on the road, something they're accustomed to doing lately, um, is a little extra motivation, incentive, and knowing that it's going to be a bit of a showcase. People are hungry to watch college football. This is going to be on Thursday night. A lot of eyes are going to be gravitating toward it. What kind of an opportunity is Purdue and, and really Purdue's fan base viewing this Thursday night opener against a team like Penn State? Well, just, just like you said, it is an opportunity. Purdue doesn't get these showcase games very often, even though uh, a few years ago they hosted Northwestern on a Thursday night. Uh, you know, they've played at Nevada on a Friday night to open the year. Uh, their issue has been they haven't won a lot of the, the openers. Uh, so they, they need to kind of fix that. But history has told you, even if they lose an opener, they seem to be okay as they move through the season. But yeah, it's a showcase game. And when you're trying to cement yourself as a, serious contender in the Big Ten West, which I think Purdue can be, then beating a team like Penn State uh, goes a long way to show people that they, they should take you seriously. And there's a lot of chatter about, you know, Purdue winning the West. I, you know, I think part of it is that people get bored picking Wisconsin and Iowa, so they look for somebody else. And, you know, Purdue's a viable option this year. But as, as I mentioned, a lot of things have to go right for them. But uh, it's a great opportunity for them in their home stadium. They've they've done well in these night games that they that they deem blackouts, uh, where they wear the black uniforms and everybody in the stadium is dressed in black and just you know change the color from Penn State from whiteout to blackout and that's that's kind of what you have minus maybe sixty thousand people. Uh, so it, it's a big deal and they're they're amped up for it. Um, and it will be an electric atmosphere. Uh, in about, you know, coming up on Thursday. Yeah, I'd imagine there's not a lack for optimism right now coming off the first nine win season for the program since 2003. Obviously a thrilling Music City Bowl victory over Tennessee. And we'll see what happens on that Thursday night. But before we get to the players who are going to be part of the process for Purdue, can we talk about some of the players who are not? You mentioned early on about some of the health concerns and guys who have been sidelined. Who is Purdue missing uh, for medical reasons, for other reasons? Who are we not expecting to see against Penn State next Thursday that we should take note of? Well, from an injury standpoint, their backup tight end, Garrett Miller, is out for the year. He tore his ACL in practice uh, earlier this earlier in August. Uh, and he, he's a he's a guy that plays uh, or would be playing. He's a big factor in the offense, has been uh, during his time. So that that's a significant loss for Purdue. They have a solid tight end in Payne Durham, but he struggled to stay healthy last year. Uh, they've got to find a way to keep him on the field. They don't have the depth uh, behind him uh, that, has, that that they that those guys haven't emerged yet uh, to Jeff Brom's liking. Uh, so that that's an area of concern. Just how much uh, snap weight you're going to put on Payne Durham, not only in this first game but throughout the year. They're going to need some other guys to stand uh, to step up. Uh, the other guy they lost, uh, Demarge Lewis, who is a backup defensive tackle. Uh, now they are they are deeper on the defensive line. It's probably their deepest position uh, on the team, but he, he's a guy that would be viewed as a a starter, even though he would not start. He plays starter starter snaps. Uh, he he's provided great relief for Branson Dean and Lawrence Johnson, two of the the two starters there at the tackle position. 
So their depth gets eroded a little bit. He's a guy that really came on at the end of last year, made some impact plays. Uh, but they have they have other guys there, and I, I don't believe there's a lot of drop off between, you know, their first team and what they hope is their third team. Now last year when you had George Karloftis on the defensive line, there was a huge drop off from George to to everybody else. They don't have that kind of player this year, but. You know they just they can't they can't afford to lose a lot of guys, but I think defensive line is one where they can absorb a loss here or there, but they can't they can't see that number climb very very high. So they're very optimistic about what they can do on the defensive line, and that I think kind of plays into you know the big question mark for Penn State is how how their offensive line is going to to hold up this year. Yeah, George Karloftis has moved on. So is David Bell. These were, you know, kind of the the face of the franchise figures for Purdue in a lot of ways recently. And Aiden O'Connell, as you mentioned, a six-year senior. We've got a six-year senior to cover here at Penn State, too. Uh, Takes a little bit of the drama away when you're not covering a quarterback competition. But obviously, to your point, uh, or to to what I just said, David Bell is no longer there to to play fetch with. And is Aiden O'Connell a guy who's going to bring this offense up with him. What's the read on what a sixth year with him could look like for this offense? Well, they don't have the NFL ready-made receiver that they've had in the past with David Bell and Rondell Moore. Uh, now they, they've brought in two Iowa transfers, Tyrone Tracy and Charlie Jones, uh, who will probably end up being their, you know, their, their top receivers uh, when we get to the end of the year, but coming into the year, you know, you don't have that bona fide guy that's going to get drafted uh, like they had with David and then Rondell. And uh, they would have had one with Milton Wright, but uh, he's academically ineligible. So that that was a blow. I think they have a good group of receivers, but, you know, who's, who's the guy that's going to bail Aiden out on a, a third and six? Who's the, you know, can he thread the needle with one of these guys and know that he's going to make the play like David Bell did? You could throw it up and David Bell was going to find a way to to make the play. So uh, there's there's some questions there, you know, who, who those guys are going to be. But, you know, you through five years, you're pretty confident Jeff Brom's going to figure out a way to get the ball in the right players' hands. And I think that'll early on, that's going to be Charlie Jones and Tyrone Tracy. Tyrone's going to play some running back as well. They have some other receivers that uh, were kind of waiting in the wings last year. Brock Thompson had surgery on both legs, put rods in both legs in the offseason. Uh, I expect him to play on Thursday, but he's been in and out of practice a whole lot uh, during during August. And then they've had other guys who, who've just kind of been injured and not had a chance. Marshawn Rice is one of those guys, big, tall, good-looking receiver, but just hasn't been able to stay healthy. So they have they have some options there, but they don't have that one guy that maybe that you don't game plan around where last year you game planned around David Bell, or at least you tried to. Uh, so I, I would expect teams at least early on just probably to play him straight up and just kind of force Purdue to make some plays. Last season, O'Connell completed nearly 72% of his passes, almost 3,800 yards through the air, 28 touchdowns versus 11 interceptions. He's played uh, quite a bit of football for Purdue. Like you said, he hasn't been a five-year starter to this point, but uh, you've got a pretty good indication of who he is as a quarterback. What don't you know? What are you curious to know about Aiden O'Connell in 2022? Well, has he improved his athleticism to be able to escape the pocket a little bit better? He's he's not he's never going to be a great athlete in that regard, but they've he's done a lot of work 
uh, with his with foot agility and being able to slide and uh, make quicker decisions. Uh, but you know, at the at the end of the day, you 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 are who you are from an athletic standpoint. Either you either you're going to be a blazer and a burner, or you're or you're not. Uh, his arm strength has been there since he he came on campus. His decision making has been solid. There's not really a lot of unanswered questions uh, with him going into this year. The, probably the biggest one is how does he continue to perform without that NFL caliber guy uh, in, in the lineup? And can he raise the level of this receiving group as opposed to maybe some of the receivers in the past raising uh, the level of the offense based on their ability uh, to make plays? So. It would help if Purdue gets a little bit of a running game going. Uh, that's been a sore point the last few years. Uh, but, you know, Aiden is hes a high completion percentage guy. Uh, I don't see that changing. Um, you know, he's just he's kind of grown into a leader. He's, he's now married. Uh, so there's a, another level of maturity there that has to kick in. So uh, I, I think you'll have a, I think you'll have another uh, a good year. We'll be right back on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You referenced the running game and, and not a strong suit for Purdue of late. Uh, I think, what, three years in a row they finished last in the Big Ten uh, in yards per game on the ground last year. We, we talked a lot about Penn State struggles there. They averaged 107 yards per game on the ground, 3.2 per carry. Purdue was behind them at 14th in the conference, 84 rushing yards per game, 2.8 per carry. Um, they won nine games, and you look at those numbers, and, and it, it's hard to kind of marry those two. Um, is this just uh, basically the way Purdue is willing to operate its business, and do you think that's sustainable? What should we be looking for if they try to get something going on the ground week one? Well, um, it has been sustainable for Purdue. That um, They are not only under Jeff Brom, but through their history, they've been a pass-first program. Uh, running the ball has not been – the priority. I don't, I don't, they, they've never had the infrastructure in my opinion to, to be a bruising running team. Like you see across the big Ten. they just, they don't recruit offensive linemen uh, at that level. Uh, so that's just not who they've been nor, nor who do they want to be that they want to be throw the ball around, be known for quarterbacks. Uh, I, I, the way to measure produce running game is not by total yards, not by, yards per carry it's how do they function how much success do they get in short yardage situations what are what are their numbers third and one third and two fourth and one what are their numbers in the second half when you've got to keep a drive alive to to go down and get a winning game winning field goal 
or to protect the league. There's been numerous times during Jeff Brown's tenure where their inability to run the ball in short yardage situations has prevented them from closing out games. And then they end up getting beat in, in the in the final minute or final seconds because they could not hang on to the ball. Uh, you know, they're never going to be a juggernaut on the ground. The the numbers are what they are from a total standpoint, but I think in Purdue's case, you got to dig deeper and, and see what they're doing in those situations. They, they did improve some last year. Uh, and there's some things that, that, that can happen to help their running game. Uh, and they, they've never really recruited that strong running back, the, the guy that gets past the first two levels of the defense and can run away from you. They, they, they don't have that. Now, they have more options this year uh, in, in the backfield, but I, I still don't think they have that burner. But to me, you focus on those short yardage situations and what they can do, uh, how do they come out of those? And, and to me, that's how you need to judge uh, Purdue's running game. Brad Lambert left the staff. He's now Wake Forest defensive coordinator. Um, I know that there's certainly some holdovers on the defensive staff, but are you anticipating uh, some new looks from this defense? And when we look at in, in the guy who could be a game wrecker, Penn State fans need to say, Sean Clifford, beware. Who is that guy for this defense? Well, uh, as far as Brad Lambert is concerned, uh, Ron English, who was on the staff last year, will be the play caller. Uh, I don't anticipate many changes, but anytime you put somebody new like that in, you're going to see some some changes and, you know, his, his way of calling a game and what he wants to do and mixing and matching personnel is going to be different than Lambert. But the overall theme of Purdue's defense will stay the same. They want to be aggressive. They want to be attacking. Uh, I really thought last year they they got they got into that. Uh, I think that early on in the season that that helped them until their offense came around and then they were able to finish, you know, the season on a pretty good, pretty good run as their offense uh, caught up. Uh, so I, I don't anticipate many changes. Uh, the one guy I think on Purdue's defense that can really wreck a game is Jalen Graham. He'll, he'll be their nickelback, uh, but he can play safety. Uh, he can play linebacker. Last year he was basically an outside linebacker. Uh, and he can line up on the edge and come after you that way. He's, you know, he can play at all three levels there. Uh, he has been slowed uh, in in uh, preseason practices by by a hamstring injury, uh, but all all signs point to him being able to play on Thursday. But he he's he's the, he's their playmaker on defense. He's their guy. I, I think when you look at their roster, you know, he's an NFL kind of guy, long, lanky, uh, athletic. Guy who used to play quarterback in high school. Um, interesting about Purdue, they have like three quarterbacks in their secondary. Guys that play quarterback in high school, and three of them are, are in the secondary. But Jalen Graham's the guy. Corey Trice would be the other guy that uh, he's a cornerback that uh, looks the part, has played well. He was injured most of last year with an ankle injury and an ACL injury, but he, he has slowly worked his way back in the camp too. But Jalen Graham has always been the guy that I look to on this defense to to really cause some havoc. You always got to watch out for special teams. Week one, there may be new specialists. There's a bunch of new guys trying to figure things out, younger players on those units. What do we need to know about Purdue's specialist units, some strengths, maybe some potential weaknesses? Well, from a kicking standpoint, Mitchell Finneran, who hit the game winner against Tennessee, is back. He had a 57-yarder in practice on uh, – uh, Wednesday, uh, it wasn't, you know, 
you know, who knows what the situation was. It just, he hit a 57 yarder. So, but he brings, he brings experience back. Uh, the, the biggest addition for Purdue on special teams is Charlie Jones, uh, big 10 returner of the year from Iowa. Uh, Purdue has really gained very little in punt returns. Uh, I call him fair catch you because that's what they've done uh, during Jeff Brom's tenure. And, and, and it's not, you know, I, I make fun of it a little bit, but it's not really a criticism because he, he is he's valued field position and no turnovers and it has worked out it's a strategy that has worked out for purdue over the over the long long haul but they are looking to get a little bit more out of their return game and, and charlie jones will get that opportunity uh the one thing i'm interested in is that charlie jones doesn't like to call for fair catches and jeff brown sometimes prefers fair catches so we'll see where that dynamic uh uh boils up to uh the the this season. So he should give them a boost. They have, they've upgraded their talent, distant coverage units, uh, you know, kickoff returns are there's such hit and miss nowadays because of the new rules. Uh, you know, what, what kind of impact can you, you can get out of those? And, you know, most teams value just the field position at the 25 to start things off as opposed to, you know, potentially fumbling or getting caught, uh, you know, out, you know, inside the 20 yard line and, you kind of ruin your field position a little bit, but Charlie Jones is uh, the one guy I think that can add add a boost to you know Purdue's return game. We'll have to keep an eye when that first Penn State punt goes in the air. <laughs> he's going to grimace while he puts his hand up because he's not going to want to do it. We'll see what happens. Last question for you, and full disclosure for our listeners: we are recording this actually on a Thursday morning, so a week before the game. Wanted to get you before game week because I know what it's like on your beat and our beat, and it's crazy. So. What are your thoughts about this game? I'm not necessarily asking you for a final score. If you want to throw one our way, that's cool. But initially, we've, we've had all offseason to kind of bounce the, around this game in our head. Now that we're very close to kickoff, what do you think about Purdue versus Penn State? What it might mean for either team? Well, you know, from Purdue's standpoint, uh, you know, as, as we talked about earlier, this the, the, the showcase game, an opportunity to, 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 to push your program uh, in the spotlight against a, you know, a brand name program that quite frankly, Purdue has struggled with in its history. Uh, you go back when they started the big 10, the one area where they have dominated Purdue over the years has been at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. And you can go back to the 2019 game at, uh, at uh, Beaver stadium where uh, Penn state sacked uh, Jack Plummer, the quarterback 10 times uh, and Purdue ended up with negative, a thousand yards rushing or whatever it was um, for Purdue to win this game. They're going to have to win the line of scrimmage battles on both sides. They're going to have to keep Penn state's defensive line out of the backfield. And they're going to have to shut down their running game and not let their offensive line take control. Um, and that's easier said than done. It's just the history tells you that that's not, that's not a strength of Purdue. It's been a strength of Penn state. Can they impose uh its will on Purdue in that regard. And I know they've had some struggles on the offensive line, and I know they're not where they want to be uh, from an offensive line standpoint. But Purdue, clearly, I, I think they need to win that those battles to have to have a chance. I, you know, I think they'll figure out a way to generate some plays through the air, uh, get their offense going. But to me, that's the huge key for this game is just what can Purdue do to to handle. Um, you know, the defensive line and the offensive lines. It's interesting because the last time Penn State was here, 
I believe it was 2016. Uh, I think they scored 64 points on Purdue, uh, which is a Ross Aid Stadium record. And then the next day that uh, Daryl Hazel was fired. <laughs> that led that has led to Jeff Brom now being here, starting his his sixth year. So uh, I, I don't know if there's anything to that, but when you're sitting around in the summer, you think about weird things like that. Uh, but anyway, that's kind of where I'm at on this. I, you know, I think Purdue has enough weapons to, to to push the ball up and down the field a little bit. But you know, can they hold up in the trenches? And that's that's going to be something I think is going to be very important to watch. We'll see a significant opportunity for a couple programs that I think view themselves as, as top 25 material but aren't listed that way entering the season. Uh, Mike Harmon does a fantastic job covering the Boilermakers for the Journal and Courier in Lafayette with part of the USA Today Network. Mike, we really appreciate it, and uh, we'll see what happens next Thursday night, but it's nice to get back to watching live-action football. I know you're excited as well. All right. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Just want to thank Mike Carmen one more time for giving us his perspective on Purdue. We got to get back to work here on Penn State coverage. We're going to return with another podcast on Wednesday. Reminder, we're back to our four episodes a week format with these uh, with games back underway. It'll be kind of normal next year, next week with the Saturday matchup. But here we are Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. We're back again Thursday night with a post game podcast. You may check that out on Friday morning if you're asleep a little bit earlier. But we're back in full swing. We hope you're enjoying the coverage at lions247.com. Between now and the end of the week, make sure you check out that deal. 75% off a VIP subscription to get access to Penn State inside information, recruiting news all year round. And, of course, tap into our mighty 24-7 sports network, all for 75% out just this week for week one Penn State kickoff deal. For Lance Glenn, our producer, for Mike Carmen covers Purdue, I'm Tyler Donahue. Thanks to everyone for listening to the Lions 24-7 podcast. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the show? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes now streaming. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with the Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. The subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply.